We're opening up the lids. I'm Kevin. I'm Desiree. And today we are going to talk about all things Santa, Sinterklaas, uh, holidays. Hey, what's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer's favorite horror movie? Are we bringing back dad jokes? What you didn't it? tell me we were bringing back dad jokes. What? The Shining. <laughs> Zing. All right. <laughs> um, so we have two wonderful movies to talk. One wonderful movie to talk about Damn. and another movie. Um, wow. It's a holiday classic. Unfortunately. It's a favorite. <laughs> And it's so, a little fucked up. <laughs> so the one that I am clearly shit-talking is Gremlins, and then the other one that I feel like should become a new classic is Krampus. Um, so those are the two films we're going to talk about. We're going to tackle Christmas. Um, Christmas. <laughs> uh, we're going to tackle, what else? Family dynamics, holidays, winter, all that jazz. Mm-hmm. So let's dive right in, shall we? Sure. Okay. Krampus. We'll start with Krampus. Krampus. Yeah, that's what you wanted to do. That's what I want to do. All right. So Krampus, uh, first of all, if you type in Krampus and you're looking for the movie, look for the 2015 one by Michael Doherty. Mm -hmm. There have been so many adaptations Mm -hmm. of Krampus. There was a really terrible Netflix version of it. There's been plenty of cheesy adaptations. And Mm -hmm. honestly, Krampus... um, He's been around for a long time. I don't even. Are we even saying his name right? Is it Krampus? I say Krampus. I think it's supposed to be Krampus. I don't know, but um, sorry to whoever we're saying it wrong, but we say Krampus. Uh, <laughs> sorry but, to Bavarian culture. Okay. Our there, bad. There we go. Sorry, guys. Um, but obviously, in their culture, it's been around for a long time. But I feel like it's only started gaining popularity with people we know and everything last here years, yeah. in the last few years yeah i'd say last at least like five years it's kind of skyrocketed i think with the with our kind of millennial generation but also with gen z it like we're just so bitter and cynical about everything <laughs> that whenever you see like happy americana and we'll talk about all that garbage with with gremlins um but whenever you see like happy overjoyed christmas stuff and like Ariana Grande Christmas songs come on the radio. We all want to vomit because we're all just like, <laughs> this. <laughs> so obviously once Krampus started coming more to light, we were just like, yes, this is something we can totally embrace. Mm-hmm. This is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you started seeing like Krampus knocked uh, parades popping up here in the States, even though that's a thing that already like happens regularly in Europe, uh, especially in Eastern Europe. But this film by Michael Doherty was one that came out with a lot of that wave of interest in Krampus. Um, And we're not going to touch on the actual kind of cultural and, and I suppose, if you will, mythological origins of Krampus in this episode. That's been done in so many places now. Um, Go find your favorite version and and listen to that there. Um, But kind of riding that wave of popularity in 2015 we get michael doherty's krampus and in this film we start with this kind of like uh drone shot of um 
of a mall on Christmas Eve, or a few days before Christmas, actually. Let me correct myself. And, of course, it is hordes of people just smashing through the doors, trying to get into the store, stomping on retail employees, um, just beating each other up for gifts. And then we get Max and his family who are um, watching Max perform in this like terribly cheesy Christmas play, which I don't even know if that's a thing that still happens. Um, Christmas plays? Like, yeah, but yeah. like cheesy little kid Christmas plays still All happen. All the time. All Blech. the time. <laughs> Parents need to record something and post it on fucking Facebook. <laughs> when your kid, like your little kid is the Christmas tree in the background. Oh, yeah. Well, in Max's version, he starts to throw fists with one of the other kids in the play. Um, and so the story is set up where, where from the very beginning we know that this is not going to be a kind of ideal Christmas. Um, Typical cheery Christmas movie. Yeah. Hallmark Channel type yeah. of stuff. Yeah, no. Yeah. The, the the swing of things, though, is that uh, living with Max and his family is his Omi, which is his grandma, who is German, um, and speaks predominantly German. Um, and she is kind of the one in the family who tries to keep the rituals alive. So Max is horribly, <laughs> horribly American cousins um, come over and they are going to spend the entire holiday week together. This pisses Max off because he is essentially bullied by his own cousins in his home. Uh, they find his letter to Santa and they decide to ridicule him for it to the mm -hmm. point where he cries, goes up to his room, tears his letter apart to Santa, essentially wishes ill on his entire family and all of Christmas, and then throws his torn up Santa letter out the window, thereby summoning Krampus and his minions. The rest of the movie, I'll go through super quick, but it's just a free-for-all of his minions picking off the family one by one, taking out some of the cousins at first, uh, his family just trying to survive, sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. Um, in the end, what you have is Ami, who shares that she knows actually exactly what is going on, while the rest of the family is confused, and shares that she too had summoned Krampus in her youth. Mm -hmm. That she too had wished ill on a Christmas when her town had forgotten the Christmas spirit. Um, and she hands Max this like, it's like a wrought iron bell that has the, the term Krampus on it. Um, and from there, Ami ends up sacrificing herself for the rest of the family to try to get away. Oh, do they try? Oh, do they fail? It ends with Max having to face Krampus. Now, the ending of this film, we'll talk about, but I'm not going to lie to you. I sort of don't like it or or think that there's much of a cogent logic to it, but I get it. So and it, it had an alternate ending too, right? Yeah, yeah, we watched it. There was two endings to it. Yeah, and even with the alternate ending, yeah, I don't get it. Um you just wanted everybody to stay dead. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so but one of the nice things is you have max uh have this ultimate christmas spirit face off with krampus and he kind of does like the usual the exact revelation that you would expect right i don't care take me i just want my family to live and be happy give me beth back my sister and in a lot of other movies that would have (laughs) worked and it doesn't um what you do have is max fall into the pit of hell supposedly uh, or presumably i should share and he then wakes up to christmas morning his family smiling happy unwrapping presents and when he goes to unwrap his present he sees there that wrought iron bell that his ami had given him with krampus inscribed in it she kind of gives him this look of knowing and then the camera pans out and what we see is that the family is in like a snow globe prison dimension where they like live Christmas every day and they're on a shelf with what we assume to be hundreds if not thousands of other snow globes holding families in Christmas dimensions. I think that's pretty cool. Did I get that right though? Like that's that Yeah, I actually completely forgot about the whole snow globe thing. Um I just remember the he opens the bell and everybody kind of stops mm-hmm. at what they're doing, looking and seeing what's going on. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll come back to the, the ending afterwards. But I want to talk about some main points of this film. Part of why I think it should become a Christmas classic. So if you're a horror fan, which we assume you are to some degree if you're listening to us ramble about horror movies every now and again. Even in the Christmas season, you go to horror. Like, you still go to horror to to unwind, to find solace, to, mm-hmm. to make meaning. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're looking for a horror Christmas movie, then chances are you already want to critique quite a few things about this season. Mm. Um, and I think Krampus does a hell of a good job of that. And I think we'll start with that opening, right? Where the... The kind of horde of people burst through the door, trampling the mm-hmm. retail workers, like fisty cuffs and elbows to get the toys and products yeah. that they want. Because a lot of people think of Christmas as it's a time you're supposed to like spend with your family and, you know, have good food and everybody has gifts and everything is plentiful and jolly and well. When you come down to it, the whole consumerism of it all is you got to get the gift. You got to get this. The house has to be fucking perfect. Like the food has to be perfect. I'll admit I'm tired as shit right now (laughs) because my ass for the past few weeks has been trying to get a hold of this fucking PlayStation 5. I've been watching YouTube lives to follow everything. I've been reading blogs. I've been reading articles. And there's always that like it toy of the year. Mm -hmm. And that is the one that I'm struggling with Mm -hmm. this year. I love you though. I know. I'm exhausted, guys. I was up from like 2 a.m. I've told you to give up. It's just a vendetta now. It's just a point of pride. It's a point of pride. I was up from 2 a.m. to like 7 a.m. because Target was supposed to drop and it was all a fucking rumor. So (laughs) that was great. And this isn't the first time I've like stayed up. Mm -hmm. And so what I want to talk about with with the way that this film kind of critiques that is 
you know, we always go to the, the phrase um, first is tragedy, then is farce, right? That like when we're critiquing the world, we first look at that critique and it's so sad and depressing to see the way things are. And then afterwards, you just move to farce because you're just like, I'm just going to laugh at how absurd this is. And I think what what Krampus does well and what other films that kind of have the same critique of consumerism during the Christmas season can do well and sometimes do well is this idea of like capitalism superimposes consumption over ritual. And we see that with with like the contrast between the way the mom who is played by none other than my horror boo, Tony Collette. She scares the shit out of me. <laughs> she doesn't even have to do anything scary. She just scares the shit out of me because she's such a good actor. She's amazing. And although we all know I hate Hereditary, she did an amazing job in that movie. Mm-hmm. And now I can't see her in anything else. And I had uh, Krampus came out before Hereditary, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know her very well. And it wasn't until we've watched Hereditary and we went back to watch Krampus for this episode <laughs> that I was like, holy shit, I forgot she was the mom. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Yep. She does just that, like, that that dis- dissatisfied, jaded, but still uptight mother figure. Like, she's yeah. just so good at that. Would but- you consider her a scream queen? Oh, her scream, though. Yeah. I think so. I I would consider her a scream queen. Because we were watching like gag reels and stuff and just like behind the scenes. Uh, we always do for every movie. And mm-hmm. she can scream on point uh-huh. and end it like nothing and then restart it back up like it's nothing. But you know what else it is? It's not just the like the sound of her scream. It's her facial expression when she screams. Like it is it is pure Nothing terror. Nothing good ever happens to her. That's no. why I'm like, I don't know if I'd ever even want to meet her because it just feels too real. <laughs> so the contrast that gets laid out between Beth the mom no, Beth is the, the daughter. The Sorry. Sarah's the mom. Thank you. Uh between Sarah the mom, played by Tony Collette, and Ummy, um, I think is this is this critique between the rituals of Christmas that have existed for hundreds of years, if not thousands of years, that are kind of like there for a purpose to get us through the winter, and then the superimposed version of those that capitalism creates, which is the ones that Sarah plays out. So Sarah, the mom... Go ahead. I also think it's generational, too, because you have to think they're from different generations. Ami is her mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. Um, she obviously came from a different time period and everything and the more you go through each generation the more consumerism there is like it's it's grown over the years yeah everything the more that there's this like beautiful image you have to uphold and you're taking away from like the bottom line of what christmas is supposed to be or mm-hmm. the holidays hanukkah all these holidays Hanza. that people um celebrate Mm -hmm. the bottom line of what it's supposed to be Mm -hmm. but so yeah so sarah sarah very much and there are jokes about this in the film 
Sarah very much tries to do like a Martha Stewart Christmas. And this this yeah. family's house is is beautiful. It's gorgeous. And Tony Collette's like mom characters always end up in these imposing beautiful homes. Um and and so she has decked it out. She has made a a very modern Christmas dinner. And you contrast that with Umi who's who is trying to make like these these very like homemade rustic style cookies with Max when he gets home. Mm-hmm. And like that's all that she cares about is just like her and her grandkids cooking together and baking together. Mm-hmm. Um, because for her, that's that's the holiday spirit yeah. right there. And, and so- her son is immediately like, Ma, don't even worry about this. Like, you know, we get cookies every year. You know, she's got it handled. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, damn. <laughs> mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah. And and. Those, the loss of those rituals, or it's not even the loss, but like the mimicry of those rituals, I think is what makes our generation want to see a Krampus film, is because we kind of feel like we got screwed out of them. You know, we got we got screwed out of meaningful, authentic rituals being passed down, because instead, for quite a few decades, at least here in this country, and I imagine... I imagine for for many countries as well, increasingly the holidays have become more and more and more that consumerized... Yeah, watered down. What can I buy and feel authentic? And and that becomes problematic. But that being said, I also think a lot of families find ways to subvert it. The answer is a PlayStation 5. (laughs) Just put that out there. Um, Yeah. Also, too, I do want to touch on, and she does this very well. She's amazing. But obviously, like, what the director was trying to put into our minds is, I'm going to say it, like, Mm -hmm. that white family perfectionism. It's Mm -hmm. just, I have the perfect house. I have the best silverware. Mm -hmm. I have the best dinner. I have all these fancy fucking hors d'oeuvres that you can't even pronounce and like she's just pouring herself into this image for a family that she knows isn't like that yeah like the relatives that come over they're very like country they like have camo on they have a hummer they have you know guns and shit in the car they forget the baby in the car like (laughs) they're very down and dirty nitty gritty and they don't care about that shit and Mm -hmm. they're one of the aunt that comes over too which she had no idea was coming over even points it out she's like why do you try this damn hard and Mm -hmm. she's just like because i just want us to be perfect for once i want i want this to be good for you guys i want to do this for you guys when they don't fucking care yeah it's just this image that they're trying to like uphold of this like perfectionism everything is perfect yep This is gonna. This is probably going to sound more grandiose than it should, but I honestly think that this film is like is a wonderful analysis of the different versions of whiteness, you know, and the different versions of how whiteness plays out. Yeah, you know, you have the kind of waspy whiteness of Sarah and Max's family in exactly the way you just described it. Right? They're because, clearly well off, like, and their whiteness is so like tied to their class status right and their income and their economic ability but then you have the whiteness of linda and howard linda and howard yeah which is very like 
MAGA hat. <laughs> like, <laughs> God. Right? She it, even it, mentioned, she's like, why did you cook this? They'd be happy with like mac and cheese and hot dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and their whiteness is tied to class in a, in, in a similar way, but in kind of like a lumpen proletariat, like they hold on to their whiteness because they don't really have another identity to hold on to. Mm-hmm. You know, who they are is is the Hummer, the wrestling, the the all of those things. Mm-hmm. And then the kind of third version of that whiteness being Ami and and like the immigration and, and how that plays with. Yeah. Ami doesn't fit in. No, she has a cultural background. And what's sad is like her son, which is Sarah's husband and Max's dad, he's he can speak with her obviously that's his mm-hmm. mother but like he'll speak with her in english and she responds in in german, ru- in german. Mm-hmm. and it's just like why are you not speaking to your mother in german like why are you why are you hiding that like because that's how he achieves like, whiteness oh fuck man <laughs> right? and it infuriates me no one's looking at this film going this is an intellectual film in which we can really analyze race relations mm-hmm. no but nonetheless, these things play out, right? Yeah. Like the way that the way that European um, European communities and cultures achieved whiteness in the United States was through denying it in many ways, like backstabbing their own cultural identities, and and that's what we see play out. And in some ways, that's what summons Krampus. Krampus is like the vendetta against white supremacy. I'd love to see that version of Krampus. <laughs> All right, maybe we've gone. Maybe we've gone far. Um, yeah, we could talk about <laughs> race for a very long time and the way whiteness plays out. And, yeah, know. absolutely. Um, but there is that that family dynamic that we wanted to talk to. We wanted to talk about as well. Um, <laughs> This is us making general assumptions, but again, if you love horror and you're watching horror during the holiday season, chances are you probably stand out in your family in some way. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I love, I'm sorry. So there's this like, and I showed it to you the other day. Um, (laughs) I don't have TikTok, but it pops up on my Instagram every now and then. And it was just like my family trying to enjoy Christmas. And it's like, I think it's like in 2006. Mm -hmm. And it's like. The Mariah Carey Christmas Yeah, just people dressed up, like all holiday cheer. (laughs) And then it just pans out to somebody in the corner, emo as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Just like singing My Chemical Romance. A young boy. Yeah, pretty much. It's um, it's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I, I'm going to go ahead and make a broad brush assumption that many folks listening to this who love horror probably you were that emo that. person in the corner <laughs> in 2005. And so, you you probably dreaded some aspect of that family togetherness of the holidays, um, because it, you know, it's that idea of like not all family is is good family no they're toxic as hell family members that you probably do your best to avoid the majority of the year mm-hmm. in the case of krampus that is the aunt who who linda and howard drag with them <laughs> but i love her <laughs> if if i was never with kevin or if kevin for some odd reason like i love you baby i hope you don't die but like i would probably turn into dorothy her name's dorothy yeah aunt dorothy aunt dorothy yeah but we talked about this in the um the episode shit (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> we talked about this in the episode no filter. of Ready or Not, where we're like, you're going to be the aunt in that, and now you're going to be oh, aunt yeah. Dorothy. Whatever aunt bitter is. character that's just mean, mm-hmm. not nice, that's probably going to be me if I ever lose <laughs> Kevin. Absolutely. And I admit it. And so we see those family dynamics play out in Krampus. Um, they go down the the kind of trope hole of like once things get tough, the family unites. Uh, but Howard is is constantly like a shepherd's got to protect his flock, <laughs> <laughs> and you can tell that that um, that Sarah and the others are just kind of like shut up, Howard, yeah. <laughs> shut the fuck up. Uh, but nonetheless, there's there is that dynamic, and and Max's kind of initial plea of, "I wish my family wasn't even here for Christmas," is probably one that everyone in their angsty teenage phase has felt before. He's not even a teenager; he's like eight he's or a tween. nine. I don't know. He is not. He's nine. an adorable child. He's, he's, <laughs> like, every he's time adorable. I watch this movie, I'm like, he's so cute. Um. But yeah. Yeah. And so those those dynamics play out. And what's interesting was the choice of which family members get picked off first. And so the very first one to go is Beth. Which I'm sorry. Fuck that shit. It's a <laughs> snowstorm. It's a raging snowstorm. They have no fucking power. And my like 13 year old wants to go down the block or like a few blocks to go see her boyfriend. And they're like. Yeah, honey, it's okay. Just bring a coat. Nah, bitch. <laughs> Stay the fuck inside. Go have some hot cocoa with Ummy. Like, <laughs> what the hell you think you're going outside? <laughs> like, yeah. And and so... <coughs> white the, people. <laughs> the film also does a good job of, of having a lot of these kind of throwback trope moments to to the type of horror that we all love to see, you know? And, and that's kind of why before Beth goes out, like Beth isn't going out to go see her like her boyfriend who's doing charity work out in the storm trying to collect like toys for little kids. She's going to go see her boyfriend who was like, come over and smoke this bong with me while your family is, is being terrible. And so that's kind of the director pointing to like something bad is going to happen to this character. I don't want you to sympathize too much. Um, so she gets riggedy, riggedy wrecked uh, by we, Krampus. We don't see the full wreckage, but it's definitely uh, insinuated. Yeah, yeah. And this is the first time we see Krampus, mm-hmm. and how they did that was pretty fucking good. Like, you actually see his shape mm-hmm. on the roofs, like, jumping. I'd shit myself. The thud, the um, the horns that... It's not an antelope. What is that animal called that has horns similar to that? Come on. You can do this. You love the animals. I do. Was it like an Ibanez? Yeah. Yeah. The huge horns. Yep. Um, And he has has that incredible silhouette. And and we see the hooves. You like animals and shit, asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Was I wrong? You got it. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of that first initial takeaway of Beth is what is what slides us down the rabbit hole of a practical effects smorgasbord of just pure enjoyment. Mm-hmm. So there are there are a bunch of like critters and little ghouls and goblins and things that pop up all throughout this movie. 
that yeah, are she just opened the door to it yeah and they're so fun <sighs> They did a good job. And a, a lot of like the behind the scenes stuff that we saw is all the practical effects that went into it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's why we love this movie so much. Not only does it have like a good cheesy story, but how they did the character creations and everything. And they actually hand built all this stuff. Like the they puppetry. really tried to not do a bunch of CGI. It was tons of puppetry and everything. And it was great. And yeah. I love it. I still get chills from the jack in the box that's like mm-hmm. this fucking cenobite mouth yeah truly nasty thing slug looking yeah oh. <laughs> <laughs> but again like they did so good they in... the evil gingerbread man of my fave oh my god they're so good with the nail gun yep just gingerbread men with the nail gun and who are they going after Howard. They're going after Howard <laughs> and his shotgun. Uh huh. Great. Uh huh. Um, which, by the way, guys, uh, another holiday classic that I enjoy, <laughs> but I couldn't get my hands on this year, and I was debating even ordering it because we should have like, done this as the second movie. Ah, oh, I know, but I don't have it, and they took it off of. I think it was on. Was it on? It Shutter? was on Amazon Prime. It was on Amazon Prime. Ginger Dead Man. Yes. It's just. It's, it's incredible. Good Christmas horror, cheesy horribleness. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely another one Jack that Frost. I, I recommend. Mm-hmm. Wait, Jack Frost what? Jack Frost is another good cheesy horror. Oh, is that one. the evil snowman? Evil snowman. So you know what's fucked up? When I was a kid, <clears throat> somebody switched. It's a blockbuster classic. Uh, somebody switched the VHS because mm-hmm. there was another movie about Jack Frost that came out that mm-hmm. was touching. It was mm-hmm. much more hallmarky. <laughs> and I remember putting it in and it was not the movie that I remembered and I freaked out. Um, That's wonderful. Yeah. Back in the good old blockbuster days. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. And so you have, um, I just want to talk about some of the, some of the creatures that, that we see throughout. So we talked about the gingerbread men, um, which are this mixture of puppetry and CGI. I think there's some of the few, the very few little bits of CGI that you see in the film, but it is worth it. It is a good laugh, you know, mm-hmm. sharpened candy cane to the face kind of thing. And they put a lot of detail into the stuff because even like the elves and mm-hmm. everything that they did, uh, Krampus's He's like around. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Just the detail was amazing. It was. It I was. I loved it. And I think people don't like this movie because they're not, they're not scared, and like they think it's no. cheesy, which it's it's both. But mm-hmm. like, I love it. I think the cherub is terrifying. I think the yeah. the um, the Jack in the Box slug clown thing is terrifying if I was of a certain age, if I was younger seeing this movie, yeah, like that would that would sit in my nightmares for a little <laughs> bit. Um but I, I I also think that it was just meant to be fun. Yeah. You know? Um I the, laugh the whole time. Yeah. And the the elves are one thing I wanted to touch on for a little bit because the elves are so wonderfully kind of demonic and creepy they have like these sigils painted into their masks on their forehead. But I, I, I actually love that this is a pretty, uh, I'm not going to pretend that it's accurate, but I think in spirit, it's a better interpretation of elves from the folklore that Krampus comes from because elves are mischievous, conniving little things that you should never trust. And 
and always wonder when they're around the corner trying to do you harm. Not you in know? Lord of the Rings, though. <sighs> yes, sorry. In Lord of the Rings, it's a very different folklore it's of elves. Fucking badass. In Lord of the Rings. <laughs> so we have all of these, all of these critters that are kind of like picking them apart one by one, and then finally you get to Krampus, um, and the costume design of Krampus is beautiful. Mm. Um, I want that jacket. So, yep, his jacket is made of like tattered pieces and rags of what it, it literally looks All like he together. murdered a hundred mall Santas <laughs> and sewed their their little red jackets together. Um, he has these like bells and chimes and little chains knickknacks and all around him, covered long in chains, fingers, and then hooves. And then I think the thing that makes it is that fact that he is wearing a face. Like he is, he does not yeah. have a face that we see. He is wearing this old yeah. man's face. The first time I watched this movie, um, that was the one thing that I wasn't happy about because I didn't realize he was wearing a face. I thought that was his face. Mm -hmm. And I was like, damn, they're doing all these animatronics. They did stabby <laughs> ass gingerbread men like doing karate moves across the fucking kitchen. Uh -huh. But they couldn't make this guy like stop mouth breathing. Like why <laughs> is his face like that? Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't until you pointed it out to me that you were like, no, there, there's a face behind the face. Mm -hmm. Like because there is a scene where you can kind of see his eyes, like Moving. dark eyes mm -hmm. behind the mask. And I was like oh okay i like that better now <laughs> yeah yeah in, in a similar way that his his elves you know have those masks on yeah. you know we don't we don't ever see see what, what the elves like. actually yeah. look like but there's always that big reveal like and i think it's when he's with ummy mm -hmm. and that's when you first see his face and i'm like he's a mouth breather and he needs chapstick like they couldn't <laughs> uh -huh. do a little bit better with that um but then i realized he's math so yeah it's not as, not as bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so you know i'd say a solid two-thirds of this movie is all about surviving krampus and his minions yeah and that fits because that's what the holidays are actually about mm -hmm. and i think it also too it questions because like this whole movie starts off with like is santa real and it's like well what do you believe in what you believe in is real you know mm -hmm. like we go back and forth about Santa Claus all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But it just, it comes down to like traditions and beliefs and. Yeah. But oftentimes traditions and rituals and beliefs, they serve a sort of pragmatic purpose. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and in this case, one of the things that people always wonder is, at least I wondered it. I, I know growing up and, and as I got older was like, why is this why is this the big one? Why is this the big holiday that that everyone kind of loves and feels a certain way about? Mm -hmm. And it's because it it's the most important one in terms of the way it was tied to our survival. Before the real worst of winter is when we all get together. You share presents that are often gifts to like help you get by. You share a big meal and you you essentially like redistribute resources so that everyone can survive winter. That's what these holidays are all about. Mm -hmm. it, and that's that's kind of 
you know, again, this is us reading a lot into a film, but this is what we do. That's kind of what we're faced with in Krampus is like survive the dead of winter, survive the worst that this storm, the snowstorm has to offer. Mm-hmm. When we get together as families at this time in 2020, it's a very different version of what it means to try and survive. You know? <laughs> in 2020, surviving means not getting together. It means mm-hmm. staying in your house with the people that you live with. And I think that doing that still honors what this holiday is really about. It's about making it through the mm-hmm. hardest time of the year. And protecting your loved ones at the end of the day. Whether it's giving them things to provide them throughout the year or to give them to survive the winter. Or whether it's not seeing them because mm-hmm. you want them to be okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the last thing I want to talk about is... Krampus Santa dichotomy. Reward or punishment. <laughs> <laughs> and and kind of like what this is all rooted in. So, <laughs> so the idea of the idea of a like two mythological figures in a dichotomy contrasting each other, it goes back to like the most ancient ideas that we can get to. When we look at the Sumerians, right? And we look at Ahura Mazda, and we look at these kind of like the moon versus the sun dichotomy, all of those types of things. The important thing from a historical perspective to remember is that these are not good versus bad. It's not good versus evil. And that's what I think is interesting about Krampus in this movie, but also Krampus as a myth, is that Krampus is not evil he is set up as the kind of shadow side of 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 santa right of father christmas or whatever you Mm -hmm. want to call him um yeah because he doesn't go after the innocent mm -hmm. at all doesn't touch them actually like walks by them Mm -hmm. you have to do something to kind of deserve a visit from krampus and even in the film Max has to do something to summon Krampus. Ami had to have done something to summon Krampus. Now, we can argue whether or not the thing they did warranted the punishment that they received. Hot damn. (laughs) (laughs) But at the end of the day, there is not this, like, you are eternally damned because we we pass by, and, and so that's the way it goes. I don't know if I would necessarily be mad if Krampus came to visit me and ate some of my family members. <laughs> I might welcome him. <laughs> now that I think of it. Krampus comes by, you take out the salt, you start salting some people yeah. in your family. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You know, my friend, I don't want I want this to have some flavor for me. Just a little bit of seasoning. Some Old Bay. On. <laughs> Old bay. I bought some Kenora on there. Um, yeah, and so I don't want uh, I I don't want my friend Krampus to be perceived simply as you know a, a kind of stand-in for the Christmas devil um, because that also loses the kind of lesson of it and and, and the lesson of it really being justice in a way. You know, when you when you see some of the <laughs> all right, I get it. I'm out there. 
Um, oh, fucking... Crop is here to serve you some justice. <laughs> For real, though, if you look at some of the old folklore and myths around Krampus, like he is, he is going after kind of ingrateful, ungrateful brats, mm-hmm. right? Oftentimes, the children of the wealthy in yeah. the region or the town, and and it's it is the the kind of poor peasant children who are rewarded by Santa, Sinterklaus, whoever, whatever terminology it is, depending on the region and the culture. And so what we really have is this sense of now would be a great time before we go into the dead of winter to see real justice served so that those who need it get it and those who have too much and are ungrateful about it lose it. Mm-hmm. That's Krampus. Krampus is revolutionary. OG elf on the shelf. <laughs> we're too soft on the kids now guys too soft oh, on the kids oh not that um, my children will know Krampus they won't know Elf on the Shelf <laughs> alright so let us know let us know if you agree with us that 2015's Krampus should in fact become a, a holiday classic should this stand the test of time and stand next to Will Ferrell's Buddy the Elf for a necessary Christmas viewing. Those are polar opposites. (laughs) We want to hear from you. Social media. Hit up the website, twocoffinstospeak.com. We want to know what you think. Does this stand the test of time? Um, But this is not the only holiday classic that we are talking about today. No, no, no. We have to talk about the story of a fluffy little gizmo and the things that happen when his human can't follow three simple goddamn rules Mm -hmm. so we're gonna dive in to gremlins all right before we dive into gremlins though i have a question for you no no why are christmas trees fucking christ so bad at knitting Because they Something always pine needles. Because they know. always drop their needles. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hope you guys are saving these. <laughs> one last one. One, one, one more. One more. One more. Who is Santa's favorite pop star? Hmm. I don't know. Beyonce. <laughs> Uh, all right gremlins this episode's over. <laughs> gremlins 1984 joe dante go oh you want me to do that summary son do that summary do that summary all right so, this movie's racist all right sorry the summary it, it, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a christmas classic uh. all right so there is a father who is an inventor um, and he happens to be in Chinatown. Um, you kind of see him. The movie opens up to him walking through a Chinatown store. Um, everything is really dark. And he goes up to the shopkeeper. Um, he's trying to sell him something that he created. What is it? The bathroom buddy? Yeah, something like that. It like sh- Some the- bullshit creation. And he's yeah. just telling this guy that he needs it. Um, first racist drop, he says to tame your dragon breath which is yeah it's just it was just fucked up um but yeah so this dad who you can tell like he's an inventor um 
he's walking around Chinatown and he stumbles across in the store this creature um you can't really see what it is or anything and the grandson of the shop owner is the one that's telling him like anything you want it's yours like we'll, we'll figure a price out so he decides he really wants this creature uh the shop owner is just like no you can have anything but that and mm-hmm. you can see he's trying to like up the guy he's like i'll give you this much i'll give you this much like my kid would really like this mm-hmm. he just doesn't want to take no for an answer um and the shopkeeper which makes zero fucking sense because his kid is like 18 years old but all right i think ahead. he's actually older than that um but whatever so the shopkeeper ultimately is like no dude like you're you can't handle this like mm-hmm. it's not yours um, but his grandson goes behind his back because it seems like they're in some money troubles. And he's like, listen, my grandfather's going to be upset. It's fine. I'll deal with it. But we really need the money. So he sells this creature to this man. Um, he said, but there's three rules. You have to keep him out of the light. Mm-hmm. You can't get him wet. And you can't feed him after midnight. Bum, bum, bum. And the dad is just kind of like, yeah, 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 that's fine. Uh, pans out later to he comes home to his lovely wife and his son Mm -hmm. who is not a little kid because you're (laughs) ultimately thinking like okay maybe like eight ten year old he wants to get him uh this little pet no he's uh he's like 20 living at their house helping him out and stuff um but working at the bank like working at a bank um but yeah and then so that's how things just kind of start unfolding because of course what would a movie be if you didn't follow the rules? Yep. So his son, whose name is Billy, uh, ends up getting this creature, Billy. names him Gizmo, and uh, of course doesn't follow the rules and things just start to happen. Um, from Gizmo is gremlins are created and they just start wreaking havoc on this perfect picturesque town. Um, and it's up to Billy to save the day. And he just like knocks over a cup of water. He did. Right. That's what creates the first bit of gremlins it was an accident yes his friend his friend was on his bed yeah and they accidentally like knock water over onto him which kills me because gizmo's fucking screaming and they're like oh (laughs) what's happening (laughs) pet to the side fuck this pet oh there's things coming out of his back let's ignore him pounding on the bed like screaming in agony (laughs) breaks my damn heart fun fact and I, I literally just learned that, just learned this as as we were researching for this episode. The voice of Gizmo is Howie Mandel. So it's Howie Mandel screaming and suffering. As they, th- they edited it. <laughs> it's all sound editing. As the water is like tearing his flesh apart. And then what does Billy do? Brings him to his science teacher and goes, hey, watch this. You want to see this again? I'm going to pour some more water on my creature that I know this absolutely just kills him in pain. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Yeah, guys. Sorry to interrupt your Gizmo is abused quite quite often in this movie, and it upsets me because he's so fucking cute. Mm -hmm. But yeah. So what do you want to touch on first? (laughs) So I will say, uh, this is a holiday classic for a lot of people. It came out in 1984. Um, the director was Joe Dante. It's a very 80s movie. Yeah, in in that the 80s were a time of... Yeah, it's it's one of those movies where <laughs> if this movie was created nowadays, it would not pass. 
Rightfully so. Yes, rightfully so. Um, I do love this movie a lot. A lot of people love this movie a lot, but I am fully aware of the massive problems that it does have. Yeah. Um, which my eyes got opened to it more and more the older I got and the mm-hmm. more I started watching it. I actually didn't watch this until over five years ago because yeah. I was scared of it as a kid. I'd always see like little shots of like the evil gremlins and it it was labeled as a horror movie. Yeah. So yeah. I was just like, fuck that. I'm not watching that. Yeah. Like sci-fi will play this during during the Christmas season as like a, a sci-fi Christmas horror movie. It's, yeah. I so I think the first thing we have to touch on is 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 a lot of those problems. Holy racism! <laughs> this movie's fucked. Like, um, there's a lot. Like I said, just in that opening scene alone, mm-hmm. they do the typical like Asian man owns a shop. Um, they have him dressed in what was it like? They have him dressed in in just like very garb. But not even cultural, like cultural garb from like the late 1800s. Cheesy, yeah. yeah. And and so much of this is, is Edward Said's Orientalism is like what is foreign. And we'll talk about this with the other character. But like what is foreign, what is from the East, what is not from the mm-hmm. United States and Anglo-Saxon Europe is bad and is evil and can't be trusted, is strange and is other. Yeah. Right. There's so much othering. And a lot of these the characters, just the lines that they say, it's just like somebody flat out wrote this into Steven like Steven Spielberg produced this film. Like how people have not called him to task. And we'll talk about this later about like Gremlins the film versus Gremlins the franchise. Gremlins the like the idea of gremlins and the gizmo dolls and mm-hmm. and stripe and the flasher and all of those things greta gremlin right like i love me some greta gremlin <laughs> i it's it's one of those conversations of separating art from the artist but also just separating like what the art became from where it actually started from yeah but it's just the the racist comments that just spill out of these characters mouths is just what (laughs) yeah yeah i mean even in that shop he could have said hey i have this bathroom buddy like you ever have really bad breath in the morning Mm -hmm. no he specifically chose to put in there like dragon breath like it's just mm, it's fucked up it's fucked up um and i think and and i think the personification of of all of those elements of the film is the character of mr futterman right am i saying that right futterman Oh, the racist drunk neighbor? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He is uh, kind of the top one in this movie that just goes off on spewing tangents of just horribleness. He gives the movie its title. He's the one who uses the yeah. term gremlins. Yeah. He's talking about like foreign made cars and he says like any car not made in America is infested with gremlins. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the thing that pisses me off is you have a character like Mr. Futterman. Right, which clearly we're not supposed to sympathize with, supposedly. No. But he never gets proven wrong by the film. No, and everybody just goes along with what he's saying, and nobody ever stands up 
against him and they yeah. just and ultimately at the end they're like yo mr futterman was right fuck that's what blows my mind on rewatching this is i had a memory of gremlins which was much more fun and this is fucked up and this goes to like our own privilege right and our own privilege of being able to watch a film like this and be like oh this is fun look at gizmo when we're little kids and then as adults going back to it and being like fuck this yeah but i wanted so badly for for futterman to be proven wrong by the film itself and it never fucking happens no it never happens you know um so yeah there's that there's there's the fact that the evil gremlins the not gizmo gremlins um led by stripe and all of that There is a lot of dog whistle racial tropes that get used from the 1980s in the way that the gremlins are bad that for an audience now we look back at it and we're like, fuck you, what? Um, And, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of folks out there who talk about this film, who have written about this film, who have talked about. The ideas of the like evil gremlins as a personification of racial tropes and stereotypes for African Americans. And there's just a lot of evidence pointing to that being the case, mm-hmm. you know? And again, the fact that Futterman's comments are then proven right by the plot of the film make it feel like Dear Joe Dante and um, Spielberg. Like, you made a kind of racist diatribe with a cute little fuzzy character. Mm -hmm. And, like, what's fucked up, too, is, like, the gremlins are believed to be, like, pretty much a weapon. Like, they're a weapon that Mm -hmm. aren't supposed to be here, and they're brought on by, like, foreigners and everything. But how the fuck did they get there? Mm -hmm. It was because of his dad ignoring what this man said, Mm -hmm. saying, like, you can't handle this. No, I'm not selling this to you, no matter what number you give me. Mm -hmm. And he still went behind his back and fucking did it. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's his fault. (laughs) Nobody ever points that fucking out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And at the end of the movie, the old man from the shop has to come and fix shit. (laughs) Like, has to ultimately come and take (laughs) Gizmo away. It looked like he walked there, right? (laughs) Like, he he didn't come in a car. He wasn't, like, going at a bus stop he straight up walked to the suburbs he's so mad <laughs> <laughs> fucking white people man. Go fix this shit. <laughs> um yeah uh so all of that is front and center but that being said we were when we talked about all right if we're gonna analyze this film as much as we could sit here and just talk about how problematic it is we also wanted to touch on some of the other things mm-hmm. that the film brings up So one thing is the kind of nostalgic lens that the film takes. It's set in the 80s, but the town that Billy lives in is very Norman Rockwell, 1950s kind of vibe. Yeah. Right? Like, he drives an old BMW, like old, old BMW Beetle. Yeah, I'm sorry. Volkswagen. Yeah. German auto makers um (laughs) um, and he like it's very americana very nostalgia for americana yeah it's like a little picture perfect town and everything like that there's snow on the ground constantly everything's clean clean Mm -hmm. um 
his dad is, you know, even though he's not a successful man, he has the support from his family, his doting wife, and his son just always there to support him and use his horrible ass inventions. Mm -hmm. Um, And he is still like the breadwinner of the family. Um, Yeah. Which only makes me fucking angrier to think about now because then you look at the plot and what it really is is like perfect Americana nostalgia ruined when the foreigners come and move into town and <laughs> light everything but on fire. But they fucking started it! <laughs> they started it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Um, and and one of the things that I guess, I, I suppose if we're like really stretching, if we're really stretching to, to find some type of value in the film, there is this, this really kind of offbeat discussion in the in the last third of the movie about people who don't look forward to Christmas who people who have very imperfect Christmases Mm -hmm. and what that means and and how that affects their memory of Christmas and like they also make it seem like I, I know where you're going with this it's just they make it seem like what do you mean you don't like Christmas <laughs> what do you mean you don't like the holidays it's it's perfect but they also do some underlying things where they show that anything that's imperfect is brushed aside mm-hmm. so they show a scene um where kind of like one of the head ladies of the town i guess her name is mrs deagle she's just this evil rich bitch like Mm -hmm. i guess she controls a lot of people's rent and everything and she's even asked by a mother with two children hey like we don't have the money for rent now but we'll have it later can you just give us a few days and she's like no like what the hell like i got shit i have to do too and it's the holidays like Nobody cares. And then they're just kind of like brushed aside again. Mm-hmm. Like they keep popping up these people that are struggling, but they just kind of brush them to the side. Um, but yeah, they, they're trying to perceive that like Christmas should be perfect and all this stuff. And I, I find it hilarious. Uh, the conversation that Billy has with Kate, which is this girl <laughs> he likes, um, because he's like, what's christmas like for you and she's like i fucking hate christmas like i don't celebrate it i don't like it and he's just baffled like Mm -hmm. he's just like well how dare you not like christmas (laughs) and it just it makes me laugh because there are people who who act like that and not realizing and not having any compassion or empathy for people who don't feel that way about christmas and kate has a horrible fucking story (laughs) (laughs) that i completely forgot about um it's so wonderful because they just kind of drop the story and then continue on with the movie and never bring it up again oh you don't remember it no i remember the story but i'm just saying like they that's a big thing (laughs) and they're just like oh let's just pop that right in there and then continue on that's the the movie movie i want to watch though that's the one I oh want to watch. God. Is not not this bullshit xenophobic story. Americana. I want Kate's story of the night that that happened to her father. Do you want to tell the story? Yeah, that's fine. Um, <laughs> pretty much, Kate says like she hates Christmas because her dad went missing on Christmas one year. They couldn't find him, 
and you know the police were looking everybody was searching it had been a few days and her mom said hey Kate like why don't you go light the fireplace and she went to go light the fireplace to keep the house warm and she smelt something rotting Mm -hmm. so they called the police over and they pulled her dead father out of the (laughs) fireplace who was dressed like Santa Claus and had a bunch of gifts in his hand so his plan was to come down the chimney and surprise her mom and her as Santa Claus with Christmas and things so that's a little fucking scarring <laughs> and she's like yeah that's what happened to me and Billy's just like oh that sucks and it's like her dead dad was in the that's, fucking fireplace that's the movie I want to see though oh, <laughs> god fucking Spielberg you have all this money you couldn't have made what was like Gerald's game but Santa in a fireplace <laughs> And it could have just been like an hour of the film, him slowly dying in the chimney. That's a Christmas horror classic, folks. That's the movie we deserve. But no, let's get back to Gizmo. Like, <laughs> let's go back to the problem that I created. Yeah, yeah. It's not and, about you, Kate. It's and not I think about you. I think that's part of why going back and rewatching this film, I, I, I just don't get it. Like, I don't. I don't think this deserves to be a Christmas classic in the horror community because while like while Gizmo and the Gremlins and Stripe strike an kind of iconic image, the actual things that make us love horror are are just tossed to the side in this film and and aren't appreciated, aren't like in any way really spoken to even when they are comical right like the idea of Kate sharing that story we when we rewatched this died laughing we were <laughs> laughing so hard because it was so, it was so absurdly random up. and it was so random and I'm mm-hmm. just like why aren't they talking about this girl more mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but yeah they just they just brushed it to the side yeah um yeah. but the majority of the movie is Billy trying to survive the onslaught of the the gremlins throughout town and trying to kind of stop them as they destroy one fixture of Americana after another. So if you've never seen Gremlins for some reason um, and you don't plan on seeing it, the gist of it is this creature that he has, the three rules, don't mm-hmm. expose it to light. All that does is it upsets them. It hurts them. Mm -hmm. But the two big ones is don't get them wet Mm -hmm. and don't feed them. So if you get a gremlin wet, what ends up happening is it's their version of like reproducing. So you get them wet and that's like their own version of what is that? Asexual reproduction? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Pretty much. Um, So out of the poor little gizmo or like gremlins back comes these little puffballs and they create (laughs) other little gizmos Mm -hmm. which are good technically they're supposed to be in good form when they're like in their fuzzy state Mm -hmm. if you feed them after midnight that is when they go evil they go into some type of like cocoon metamorphosis Mm -hmm. they go into a little eggy and then they come out of this egg bald, green, scaly, and fucking evil. And pretty much their main thing is to just wreak havoc. They mm-hmm. mess with electronics. They 
try and fucking kill you and their main idea is to just reproduce as fast as possible yeah well it was the leader stripe Mm -hmm. right and he does this by at first billy only had to deal with like five of them Mm -hmm. so it was no problem It was actually billy's mom that took out fucking four of them in the kitchen (laughs) she like microwaved one Uh blended another stabbed the shit out of another one but stripe gets away and this little piece of shit dive bombs into a pool and Mm -hmm. just creates thousands of evil gremlins because he's already in his little evil form Mm -hmm. um but yeah if you've never watched gremlins that's what they do (sighs) and the thing is it doesn't even stick to its own rules right because when they multiply off of gizmo they're all they're not like evil mischievous chaotic yet but they're already not as like sweet as gizmo no. They're already being more and more mischievous because, like, they they fuck with the clock to get Billy to feed yeah. them after midnight. And Gizmo's not like that at all. He's super chill. He wants to, like, cuddle in bed and watch horror movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's adorable. Mm-hmm. Um, and he follows the rules. And, like, you never see him where he's like, hey, Gizmo, are you hungry? Like, you want to eat? And he's like, no, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> He's fine. It's everybody else who messes with him and breaks the rules that cause this to happen. Mm -hmm. Just the passive observer. Assholes. (sighs) So I think uh, I think we're at the point now where we kind of talk about what this movie has become more than the movie itself. Right. What like over the years, what it's turned out to be. Yeah. So in the horror community. Side note: Billy saved the day. Because why not? Yeah, cis, young cis white male who comes in and Wait, I'm having a brain fart. How'd they die? Um, oh, they blew up the movie theater. They blew up the movie theater. He gets Stripe into like this weird greenhouse. Toy store greenhouse it, It's a toy store and then there's like this fountain area. Um, and it's Gizmo that helps him. Gizmo's the one that Gizmo helps him. Gizmo technically takes out And they Stripe. get the sun to come in to like shine through. Yeah. And the sh- the sun burns him to so death. Gizmo had to save the day, actually. Yeah, but Billy gets all the credit. Uh, yeah, because why not? Yeah, and Billy's dad gets absolutely zero blame. But in the horror community, because this was such a heavily merchandised film, like, it's so easy to find a Gizmo doll, right? And the characters of the gremlins were so ripe for toys and models and shirts and mm-hmm. all of those things collectibles galore to mm-hmm. this day like a really good like gizmo or gremlin uh, action figure it's like 40 bucks from NECA mm-hmm. like minimum mm-hmm. and it's just like damn yeah and 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 so I think I think people have started separating gremlins the the image the things the creatures mm-hmm. from like gremlins the movie mm-hmm. right and so i i get that i think that happens with a lot of things it's not just this that that happens with yeah. um well i also think too you have to think of the 1980s like people weren't necessarily held accountable mm-hmm. for things like i said if this movie was created now the way that it is Mm. they would be held accountable for what they did yeah like maybe like 
dude, no, that's not okay. <laughs> like, but even then, there's movies that were created in the past five years that weren't held accountable for shit mm-hmm. and are technically still being created. I don't know, guys. It's just, <laughs> it's not okay. It's not okay, yeah. but it is something that over the years, people kind of look past what that is and they just look towards cute little monsters yeah. wreaking havoc. And I, but I do think like it's our responsibility to kind of check ourselves on that, right? Like, oh fuck it, yeah! As a horror community, I do think, <laughs> I this isn't my like biggest crusade, but I, I do think as a horror community, we kind of come out and gotta be like, yeah, fuck Gremlins the movie. Like maybe we still hold on to Gremlins the the image, the figures, and all of that, but as a film, as a, as like not even the subtle message, the out there in your face message of this film is toxic and xenophobic and problematic as fuck. But Gizmo's admittedly adorable. And, and and I don't know I don't know how much we can separate the two, but I know that like the conversation has to happen. Mm-hmm. And maybe what we really need is a modern crossover of Gizmo and Krampus. <laughs> what? No. With Ginger Dead Man as the villain. Just notice it, guys. Just notice <laughs> that when you're watching Gremlins, that shit ain't right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that shit ain't right. So, that is our holiday. It's our first ever holiday episode, doesn't right? Yeah, we're only like five or six episodes in. I don't we even know what it. we're on. We're still trying to just keep an episode a month for you guys. Um, mm-hmm. Like we said, we're doing this as a hobby. We're slacking hardcore. We're not promoting ourselves. <laughs> We haven't kept up to date with the website. We're just having a good time with it. One day we'll get our shit together. Yeah, we're tired. We're tired. (laughs) It's a fucking pandemic. Mm -hmm. Still ongoing. But that being said, we would love to hear from you. We want to know what are some of the films you want us to talk about in 2021. What are some of the topics you want us to talk about in 2021 and in the episodes to come? Uh let us recommend some stuff for us guys like we've seen a lot of the basic things we have shutter prime Mm -hmm. hulu netflix um if there's a movie you want us to check out just recommend it Mm -hmm. yep um let us know what you think about (laughs) our kind of uh iconoclastic take on some some favorites and some should be favorites right let us know what your take is on gremlins and if you totally disagree with me that that Krampus should be the new holiday classic. We want to hear from y'all. We want to hear from the horror community. But I think most importantly, we want everyone to be safe over this mm-hmm. holiday. Yeah, guys, stay safe. Um, you know, call your family, Zoom chat them and everything, but don't put them at risk. If you're not feeling well, go and get tested. It's so easy. Mm-hmm. It's free. You can set it up in five minutes on your computer. Kevin and I have gone a couple of times. They don't even shove that stick to your brain it is nothing like that it's nothing to be afraid of Mm -hmm. um get checked out if you're questioning anything and just stay at home as much as possible and stay safe shout out shout out to all the healthcare workers who are probably going to be working throughout the holiday Uh, and just just be good and, and be nice to each other for a little bit and 
Wish me luck on getting that PS5. Hopefully we all get a PS5. We're trying. We're trying, guys. We're trying. All right, y'all. We're going to close the lid on this episode. We will see everyone again in the new year of 2021. Take care. This is Two Coffins to Speak. I'm Kevin. Adios. Desiree.